All right. Are you ready to start the new episode? Oh, I thought we were already fucking just digging for gold. Nope. Well, if we were, we didn't find it. So, dude, I'm, I can barely walk. I'm carrying around so much gold that I just dug up with you and that talking about technical shit, video right. production stuff. If that's not gold, what is? <laughs> well, that's a wonderful question that I can't answer. <laughs> All right. Well, welcome to uh, almost a maybe podcast. Is, maybe there is no motherfucking gold, motherfucker. God damn it. Really? Hey, everybody. Welcome to I'm okay. You're okay. I'm not okay. You're not okay. With me, Bob Schneider, and your other host, Clint Wells. You're welcome. Welcome to another episode of I'm okay. You're okay. I'm not okay. You're not okay. It's Monday. You're feeling good. Even though days don't exist anymore, Bob's doing a victory dance because when I say it's Monday, what I really mean is it's Friday. And when I say it's really Friday, what I really mean is nothing exists anymore. So that means every day Saturday. I know, but did it ever exist? Come on, no. let's be real. No, it didn't. No, it didn't. Yeah, we, we created a construct. We created fake arbitrary rules about what a day right. is. And then we all right. sort of agreed to just believe the illusion. Right. We believe that, that's everything in the world, by the way. Have you started reading Sapiens? You've got to read that book, dude. It's so, it's so good. I haven't. I bought it. I bought the, um, uh, the, the uh, ebook, but I've been in kind of a nice reading season. I've been reading a lot. So... It's on the list, and and it's I've only got a short list. It's about five books that are in the queue, and that's one of them for sure. Well, it's cool because it just talks about how everything is just made up. And when you start thinking about it that way, you're like, oh, yeah, it's just all – everything's made up. Like, I mean, I've always said that, but it's one thing to say it. It's another thing to hear somebody who's actually really smart say it. Yeah, articulate it articulate it in a in a in a way where you're like ah oh, maybe that was right but here's what i would say about that and i haven't read the book yet so I, you know what i'll do for you cuz i cuz i care about you and for the podcast i'll bump sapiens up to my next book i'll read that next how about that you'll enjoy it um yeah i'm looking forward to it isbel read it she said it was really good so the thing i'll say about it is cuz i agree with you it's all it's all arbitrary it's made up when you're an adult it's made up time 12:30 doesn't exist 2:30 doesn't exist Countries don't um, exist. Countries definitely don't exist. It's all made up. And then when you think about how many people have been killed over that made up shit, it's really sad. But I will say this, definitely made up, definitely arbitrary. However, very useful. Like it makes sense to demarcate all of these things, like the passing For of sure. time. Like it's it's yeah. actually impressive the systems we've created to make sense of insanity. And I find it all, the utility of all these things pretty reasonable absolutely so what do you do with the how do you how do you bring those two things together like it's made up and it's absurd almost however it has this utility that makes a lot of sense you know for think to measure to measure the way you move through the world with time is actually pretty cool right well i mean that's one of the cool things that you'll find when you're reading this book is you realize oh because we came up with these ideas because we made up these ideas we were able to evolve like really quickly as a species in a way that we would have never been able to do just, you know, natural Darwinian selection, you know, like, right. uh, you know, you can, the only way you can have a free market economy is if you invent this idea of money because money doesn't exist. Dude, if you put out, pull out a dollar, that's a piece of fucking paper. That's not real. Uh, money, paper money is a representation of gold, right? It's a, it's a representation of things that actually have value, but it seems to me- Well, we started with a gold coin, right? Yeah. Like, oh, this is gold and yeah. this is valuable because there's only a certain amount of gold. And so like, we'll, we'll put it in a little coin and we'll say, this is 
valuable. And here, here's your gold coin. Now bring me the head of Antonio Mantega or whatever the fuck that guy's name is. And then that went to, well, let's not carry around all this gold. Let's, we got these old paper markers and they're really hard to make. So you can trust in this. And then we said, you know what? Take this piece of fucking plastic. We'll keep track of how much money you got in the bank. Dude, I'm telling you, months have gone by now. Ever since Venmo came around, dude, I don't ever use paper money. It's all just this invisible, like it's all plastic. And dude, when everything's plastic and you're not like, you just don't even think about it. It's one thing when you're pulling out bills out of your wallet and getting change. But when you're just waving a fucking plastic wand through the air. Uh, Apparently my wife ordered pizza. Is there Uh, (laughs) Isabel pizzas here, I guess. God damn it. Thought we were doing talk tonight, bro. By the way, I'm giving A plus to your wife for ordering pizza. Oh, I'm gonna give her a oh, D minus for fuck. that. Fuck. I just realized I was supposed to fucking I was supposed to start this goddamn beef tri tips before before we started the podcast because it's gonna take an hour and a half to cook. God damn it. Well, maybe just cook something different tonight. Do that tomorrow. I'm gonna cook up pizzas, dude. Fuck that. I'm I'm joining you guys in that pizza, boy. Let's just quit talking about money. Can we talk about pizza? No. <laughs> Why don't you want to talk about pizza? Are you trying to are you trying to like not eat pizza? I'll eat the fucking world. I'll eat everything. Dude, I wanna eat the fucking box. I'll eat the fucking pizza box if it smells like pizza. Put the box in my mouth and let me chew on it. I want to get through a few emails because we've been backed up for a while. All right, so let's talk. Let's I want to. I want to get through some of these. Uh, Lynn Gaddis, who's a patron, writes. She writes of the episode 104 in which we went on a psychedelic trip as two British people. She says, "Okay, this episode left this lunatic dazed and laughing my ass off. Thank you, thank you, thank you. So thanks to Lynn for writing that email. That was a fun episode to record. Doug Macleod writes guitar stuff. Hey guys, two quickies. Number one. Does the amp maker break the guitar? Is it a balancing act to find the sweetness? He says, okay, guitar with a great amp versus okay amp with a great guitar. Or is it all in the playing? What say you about that? Don't know, don't care. But you're a guitar player, so you answer. Uh, I mean, it does matter, but ultimately, it's ultimately in the player. You could give Eddie Van Halen a, a, a fucking Sears Roebuck guitar and a shitty solid state amp, and he's going to make it sound great. Great players know how to bring good stuff out of whatever instruments they have. Did you say Eddie Vedder? Eddie Van Halen. Oh, Eddie Van Halen. Okay, thanks. I just heard Eddie, and then I was like, is he saying Eddie Vedder? Because he's not a guitar player. I will say this. Billy Gibbons from ZZ Top Mm -hmm. got up on stage one time at South by Southwest. I was with you at that. And he got up, and and somebody was playing this guitar. I'm not sure who it was. I know who it was, but we shouldn't say. They're playing the guitar, and it sounded fine. And then he got up. Same guitar, same amp. Same guitar, same amp. Same guitar, same amp. And he put the guitar around his shoulders and then put his ZZ fingers on it. And then he went, and you're like, she got legs or whatever the fuck song. And dude, it was ZZ Top. And it didn't sound like ZZ Top until he got up there, and then it was ZZ Top. He was guesting with a band that we were watching, and so he didn't have any of his own stuff. So you're right. He came out, and he put on someone else's guitar with their rig, 
And I, I, I'll never forget it. He, he walked back to the amp and just made a couple little minor adjustments. Nothing crazy. He turned a Nothing few knobs, crazy. just a little tinky tinky. And then when he turned around and started playing, it sounded like Bill, it sounded like ZZ Top. And that, that it was, was a so great, crazy. It was crazy. It was that was pretty cool. This other time I was on, we were opening up for Stevie Nicks. And I guess she works with some really famous guitar player. Like the guy that plays in her band is like considered like one of the great side guys or session guys or whatever. He's like really known for being this badass guitar player. No pedals, no pedals, nothing. Yeah. Just a guitar into an amp. And of course he's got a, a, a tech bringing him fresh guitars so he doesn't have to tune. So he's not going through a tuner like you would normally have to go through a tuner. Right. It's just a guitar into an amp. And that motherfucker, no paddles. Yeah. And he's playing Stevie Nicks shit, which the Stevie Nicks shit sounds like it's got all kinds of shit on it. Right. So yeah, if you've got the fingers and you've got the touch and if you've got the moves, boy, it, it, the guitar or the amp doesn't matter. Now you add a good guitar you add a good amp and you got the moves boy you know well and great. you really can have the nicest guitar the nicest amp and a, a, a hubble telescope size pedal board but if you don't have the moves boy you're not going to get anything cool out of that shit so it really has to start with the player for sure and here's the thing i got the moves boy now can i play an eddie van halen solo hell no but do i have the moves boy oh i've got the moves boy so i will pick up that guitar and I'll just go, bang. And because I got the moves, boy, that shit sounds pretty good. But imagine Eddie Van Halen spitting out some ready, let's roll. He couldn't do it. And he's got the moves, boy. We know this. Well documented. Well, no, Eddie Van Halen could do fucking anything, dude. Eddie Van Halen could do fucking anything, dude. All right, let's fucking get. All right, ready, everybody? Play a little fucking theme music. It's time to nerd out. Uh, who are your top? This let's go three, okay. and you can't name anybody from Metallica. Who are your top three guitar players? Uh, the Edge, Neil Young, David Gilmour. What about All you? Right. Zero. No, no guitar player. Uh, come on, Prince. You put Prince up there. All right. I can't Let even me believe do. I didn't say. Prince. Here we go. Uh, Clint. There we go. Prince. Clint number one. Number two, David Gilmore. Number three, I don't know. I know. It's kind of hard because you and I don't really think about it in those terms. Maybe. I mean, Hendrix is up there. Eddie yeah, Van Halen's Hendrix up is, there. I mean, Eddie Van Halen is a, a Hendrix of his time. Yeah. He, he changed I mean, everything, you know? Yeah. When you hear when you hear those early Van Halen records, you're just like, what the fuck is going on? And you know, he would play kind of like Miles Davis. He would play with his back to the crowd. Because no one had ever, no one knew how he was doing that shit. Right. No one had ever done it, you know? That fucking eruption thing on the fucking fretboard, people were like, what the fuck is that? He would play eruption, because that's on the first album in 77, 78, and he would play that with his back to the crowd. So they couldn't see what So they couldn't doing. really see what the tapping trick was, yeah. And there was no YouTube, man. What's so weird about now compared to when I was a teenager? Like now, if you want to know what amp, what guitar, how to play it, you can know everything about everything ever made. When I was a kid, you didn't know shit. Did you put that record on? You were like, how the fuck is this happening? And you couldn't figure it out. You'd slow it down. You'd play like a 30, you'd like put a ham sandwich on your fucking record player to slow it down. <laughs> try to fucking figure out what notes were being played. Dude, it was impossible. And that's why 
you know what happened? People would people would innovate because they wouldn't know how to recreate yeah, it. So they they wouldn't know how to do new. it. So then they'd make something new. Yeah. And then we get some. Then we get the cars. Right. Oh. And dude. then we get then we get something else. And then nowadays, these kids are just like whatever they like. That's what their music sounds like. And it's just like so. Who cares? Dude, I was playing the cars as first. My parents were visiting the last few days, and we were hanging out in my studio, just listening to some music and. I just sort of arbitrarily put on the first Cars record and side one, track one, good time, let the good times roll. Amazing. Fucking amazing. Track two, my best friend's girl. That's track two. Ama- amazing. Track three, you're just what I needed. I was like, amazing. God damn. Yeah. <laughs> These guys out of the gate. And you're right. Like no one sounded like them and kind of no one ever did that again. That they're such a hard band to describe, right? How would you describe? The cars. I don't know, dude. I mean, I remember when I when I heard it, I was just like, let me see the cover. Show me the cover. It's like a chick in a car. Yeah. I love that it's cover. It's an amazing cover, right? It's a great right. cover. It just looks like uh, that appeals to everybody. Um, They did this thing where they were like a rock band, but then they had a synth and it was new. There was this new wave thing and they kind of dressed new wavy so you're like oh they must be new wave but they're just playing straight up rock and roll but you know what's crazy is we, me and my my uh my stepdad gary we were like before, without looking at the the sleeve we were like what year what year was because he was like dude that takes me back to high school and i was like what year and he was like i think it's 83 i was like ah, i'm gonna go 82 and it's got to be 80 right dude it's 78 yeah i knew it was before that because yeah. i was listening to it in high school I was listening to the record that came after that in 11th grade. So that would have been 82. Heartbeat City, the one with Drive. Who gonna drive you home? It's it's the one that's got the Vargas cover. It's the chick on the cover. It's like wearing next to nothing. Oh, yeah. Here it is right here. 79. 79. Yeah, I remember a friend. Dude, look at that cover, dude. That's just me looking at that cover, and then I got to find a place to masturbate. I know. This this record's called Candy O. It's also called I Gotta Masturbate. It's crazy that that album was kind of contemporary with the first Van Halen album. No one sounded like them, and they had a great new sound, but they also wrote those great songs. And there's so much personality in the vocal, which I feel like you're pretty good at. You have a, you inject a lot of character into your vocal performances, which is kind of a key, I think. You can write a nice song, you can have kind of a pretty voice, but really, and it's one of the reasons that you and I love Tom Waits or Randy Newman, guys like that, is they just put so much character in their vocal performances. I think Bono is great at that too. Marilyn Manson's great at that. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Billie Eilish, that's why you like her. Absolutely. She's uh, she's saying a lot with with her little whispery voice. Yeah. A lot's coming through. I'm I'm interested to hear what she does after, you know, you can make that first record and then you get a lot of acclaim. And then uh, it's really kind of what happens next that's more interesting to me. I was pretty disappointed with Lord's sophomore record. I loved her first album. I think it's hard to make that second record because before you make your first record, you think, again, there's this thing about music. There's this thing. Well, I had it, and I still do a little bit. Mm-hmm. I still I still do you a got little it. bit. Okay. I still kind of have it like right a little like a little bit right just like a little bit right but not like i had it anyways there's this thing that you have that you're like if i just somehow put 
this shit together in a certain way, it's going to save me from myself. It's going to keep me safe, happy, not be killed, whatever. It's going to do the thing that I need it to do to save me. Are you talking about like art, like a collection of songs or an album or an art project? Like I have to make music and art so that I don't die. But there is this thing where it's like, well, if I could just become really successful or like make Paul Simon's Graceland, whatever it is, if I could just, it will change my life. It'll be the key and I'll be happy and I won't be this drowning, miserable person that I've been my whole life. And what happens is if you become successful the way Billie Eilish has, you realize And it's exciting while it's happening. But as soon as the excitement wears off, she's like, oh, Oh, that didn't, that didn't do a thing. And in fact, I can't even go anywhere now without being hassled by people. So like, not only did it not do anything, but it also kind of made your life worse. Now you got, you're going to make another record knowing it's not going to save you and it might make your life worse. And you're still going to, you're not going to put the energy into that second record well, yeah. or any records after that. Well, because you, you have an indefinite amount of time to make that first album. Ostensibly, it's the record you've been waiting to make your whole life. And then the next one, if it's successful, they're like, you have to redo that and top it in 18 months. Yeah, but that, but that's not the, th- the it's not the time part. It's not the... I always thought it was like, oh, because they had 30 years to make the, or 21 years to make the first record, in her case, maybe 16 or 17 years to make the first one, and then only two years to make, it's not that, it's not the time, it only takes a certain amount of time to make a record, it's- Well, I'm talking about writing the material. But it's the reason, and why you're writing it, and how how much energy you're putting, like when you're falling off a fucking cliff, and you're reaching for a branch, you're using all of your fucking- focus and energy to grab that branch but once you know that branch is not going to save you or you're not going to be like you're just not going to put the effort and time and care into it the way you did the first time when you thought it was going to be the answer when you know it's not the answer you'll be like why am i even doing it yeah the survival the survival mandate is gone so when you get people like ed sheeran or some somebody that like had a hit and then actually kept going and people like Paul Simon, who just over and over throughout his life just kept putting out stuff. That's a whole different beast. Like who those the engine that drives those guys? Uh, I don't know. You know, well because they're like they're they're no different than you. But no, they, here's the difference between me and them. They became hugely successful, and I just never have. I mean, philosophically or, or like at the core of it, they're like you in that they have to keep doing it. They have to keep saving themselves again. Because my theory about you do right. it to save yourself is, and then of course it doesn't work, right? That's sort of the preliminary idea. My theory is that it does save you. Whatever whatever you need to be saved from when you make that body of work and however whatever the birthing process is for you, whether it's just writing it or putting it on an album, releasing the album, touring the album, it does save you. The, the problem is it's like Groundhog Day. You wake up and you need to be saved again. So you do another body of work. And and it, it, right. in that way, you're like them. You're like Paul Simon. Dude, if you think that writing some sort of timeless shit makes you happy, go watch the Paul Simon Graceland classic albums because what you see is a guy looking back at that album and just feeling really sad about it. <laughs> he right. does not seem very happy uh, talking about that that music. 
And, you know, I, I think John Mayer is a great example of a guy who made a record or two that was critically, he never really topped that. But once he got over that and learned, knew that it wouldn't save him, he started making really interesting stuff. I think he's making better records now than he was in this first little burst. I don't know. I haven't. I got to listen to. It's pretty good. I mean, he's making some pretty mature sounding. I've never, I've never listened to a John Mayer record and gone, "Oh, this sucks." Ever. Every time I've listened to John Mayer, I'm like, "He's damn good." This guy's fucking great. What record have you heard? Like the big one with, like the early one with "Your Body's a Wonderland" and "Why Georgia." Well, yeah. I mean, well, every time, every time. I hear one of his songs. I'm like, this is great. But there is this weird part of me like, why am I going to? Right. Why am I going to listen really to John Mayer? It's not your thing. Yeah. It's not going to make me, fe- it's not going to make me feel good. Uh, it's just going to make me envious right. and kind of jealous, but he's fantastic. There's no doubt about it. Uh, there, I'll, I'll, I mean, not that you're dying to, um, for me to cure anything for you. I'll send you a few songs to check out, but I think there are some that you would just have fun and enjoy, but. Dude, I've never heard one of his songs and gone, this song sucks, ever. Yeah. They've all been good. That one record where he was like, uh, Battle Studies or whatever. Battle God Studies. damn, that record's that record That was the record I was going to recommend to you. It's good start oh, to finish. so good. A lot of it, too, is he's got Steve Jordan around all the time. That, that oh, isn't going to hurt shit. That guy's amazing. He, he's he's yeah, obviously a phenomenal drummer, but he's he produces all that, and he's just a phenomenal producer. So for you... Because you write so often. So you write at least 52 songs a year. And you've been doing that for a long time. And then when it's time for you to make a record, you go through all those songs and pick the best 15 or whatever. So for you, does that batch of songs represent like a body of work that makes sense together where you're like, this is what I was quote unquote going through or these songs all fit together in a certain emotional way. And then you birth them. Because you've told me before, once you make your album and it gets mixed or whatever, you don't ever revisit it. So was Lonely Land like a vibe? And then was I'm Good Now a, a different vibe? Or are these just sort of song game songs? That you're like, oh, these these belong in a family. Do you have like an emotional attachment to them as like a whole body of work? I really, I don't, I don't spend a lot of time thinking about any of it, to tell you the truth. And uh, I definitely don't go back and revisit any old material. Um, I have been doing this thing lately just because I'm, I'm going on these long ass walks that I go on. And then I have to figure out, well, what am I going to play for Monday night? Because on my Monday night, uh, live streams i try to keep them very uh different from week to week just because people are you know and so what i do is i just pull up bob schneider on my itunes put it on shuffle and then i will listen to songs that way but i'm just only listening to them to just hear like oh i hadn't thought of that song because i mean there's literally two thousand songs that i've written i don't know all those songs mm-hmm. and i and so i just kind of use that as a, a way to kind of remember what songs are even there to, to perform. But I have been, I, I will say this. So since I've been doing these live streams uh, in my studio, I have been playing a lot of studio material. A lot of the stuff that was on Lonely Land, I'm Good Now, Lovely Creatures, King Kong, Blood and Bones, all these records. And I will say this, going back and revisiting that material, I really appreciate all of it like i appreciate the playing like you're playing the guys that i that have played on those records my songwriting the production i'm pretty happy with the way all of this music has turned out i remember i'll tell you this thing happened uh, back in the early 90s i was at waterloo records and i just discovered randy newman hmm. 
And I basically went in and bought all the Randy Newman records. And I, and I said to myself, I was like, man, I want somebody in 25 and 30 years from now, I want them to go into a record store. Oh, there's no record stores. Right. But I didn't know that at the time. When they're in their human pod, they'll, they'll do it virtually in their minds when we're being used as batteries for the aliens or the AI. Right. So when they do but that. But the idea was, I want somebody to go in and I want them to buy all the Bob Schneider records and I want every song on every record to be great. All killer, no filler. All killer, no filler. Because I feel like that's a lot of what Randy Newman is. Now, there are some that aren't that great on Randy Newman, but most of it's great and he's incredible and I love him. And I love the fact that even now, even his last record I thought was great. Yeah. And so that's been my goal the entire time. And I feel like... With one exception, I think Burden of Proof, I don't think the songs are that great on that record. And and the reason that those songs got recorded for that record was because they filled this this criteria that they had string arrangements. But besides that record, I think all of the records that I've done have aged well and and I'm proud of. But Burden of Proof was a little weird because we had to go in and add those two rock songs at the end. Those are the best songs on the record. They're awesome songs, but they, I don't know. To me, Burden of Proof is like just a long, melancholy study in in those feelings. There's, I feel like Burden of Proof is like anybody else's regular record. Like anybody else puts out Burden of Proof, and they're like, "Oh yeah, I love that record because it's 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 seventy five percent bullshit and twenty five percent great." And that's what that record is. There's the effects on there: "Wish the Wind Would Blow Me," "Digging for Icicles," "Swimming in the Sea." So those songs are great. Yeah, but best then there's day a ever, bunch. Best Day Ever is good. Oh, yeah, Best Day Ever is on the there. Good, it's pretty the good. The Good Fight's good. Yeah, The Good Fight's not very good. There's a there's a bunch, and and Ice Cream Smile isn't didn't turn out very well. And there's a bunch of songs on there that I'm like, eh, that I just, that aren't great songs. I'll never play them live. And that's how I know the song's not very good. If I can't play it live or don't play it live, then I'm like, eh, right. it's not good. But all the other records, I don't feel that way. Well, the exception of the Californians kind of like that too, where there's three or four good songs, but most of it's, I just won't play it. Well, that's a good point to wrap up on. Maybe we can talk more about songs that you dig and don't dig in the old secret weekly. We appreciate you out there and I'm okay land. And, uh, Go listen to our other podcast. Mine's an all Metallica podcast called Metal Up Your Podcast. Bob's got the Song Club podcast. And uh, we appreciate the support. Go check us out on Patreon. Leave us a positive review. Tell all your friends about it. Tell your mom about it. Tell your fucking dog about it. You know what to do. Don't tell your dog about it. Beat your dog with your iPhone while mm. it's playing. Great. And your dog will be like, Pavlov, and he'll be like, arr, arr. and then as soon as you stop beating your dog, let the dog list, lick your phone and listen to the podcast. And then your dog will be like peeing slightly, slight, silently and softly in its, in its little cage while it listens to me and Clint's dulcet tones of our voices. And, and your dog will be like, give me more. I'm okay. You're okay. And quit beating me, motherfucker. By the way, the whole time, the dog's still peeing. Just a little thin trickle of urine quick addendum to my advice earlier tell all your friends about it unless they work for PETA then don't do that <laughs> no we're saying only beat the dog momentarily and then let the dog listen to the podcast after you oh, beat it and right, when I say right. beat unless it I mean like I mean really beat it though like really do it harm but just for a <laughs> second just just to release the pee and also have it know 
as it's listening to us speak that it's not it's no longer being beat well here we go into the secret weekly thanks for listening we'll see you guys on the flip-flop peace Arf. <laughs>